Welcome back to Movie House. Happy Saturday. We're a little bit late, but it's all good. Thank you so much for joining us yet again, especially if you're watching us on YouTube. Especially because you guys are the shit. Because you're you're doing homework for us. We, we've asked you to subscribe to the brand new Movie House YouTube channel, and I'm, I'm very grateful that you've uh, done that. So thank you so much. Let's get to 100 subs. I really, really want to push for that. So if you are a podcast listener and you haven't made the jump to YouTube, you definitely should. Listen or watch however you want, but the subscription would mean the absolute world to us. More on that in just a moment. You all know PJ is at the other end of this thing. Hello. Hello, my friend. How are you doing? Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday. It's a good day. It's hot as shit where we are now, yep. which br sort of brings me to life. I know a lot of people like, they like, I think they like summer, but they don't really like the heat. What's your take on, on heat? <laughs> I mean, to be honest, it doesn't really bother me either way because a lot of the time, especially right now, we're hanging out inside. We're not really going out. So right. it's not a deal breaker for me either way. I mean, for me, it, heat never really bothered me anyway. So it's all good. Was that a, is that a song lyric? The way that you it, said that was musical. And I did it on a little bit off of Frozen. The cold never bothered me anyway. That, I was going to say, that, that, sounds, that sounds very familiar. Yeah. I would normally be worrying about getting a tan if I was back home, but it's not like, it's not quite hot enough to, to be able nope. to like lay out, but it, it is here. So the fact that we just gassed up summer, because we live in Arizona, I just appear and feel how pasty I am. And it doesn't help I'm wearing a white tee right now because it's kind of like all one thing. Right. So I, I need to figure out how I can get out into the sun, maybe take a walk uh, and then maybe eventually uh, have to address my farmer's tan. Do you know what a farmer's tan is? Yes. Yes, I do. Because okay. farmer's tans used to be a thing that was talked about all the time up uh, in Northern California. Because, you know, there was like all the agriculture and stuff up there. And so they talked about stuff like that a lot in our area. <laughs> I don't know why. Cowboys I, and shit. I don't know why I just assumed you didn't know what that was. Hey, but man, I, I, I didn't know I, if it was regional. It's, it's not that I didn't think you had farmers. I just didn't know if it was like a regional thing. No, I get it. Don't worry. I'm not taking <laughs> any offense to it. Put it in the comment section down below on YouTube. Let me know if you've never heard of a farmer's tan. Uh, we're, we're here to talk about Extraction. It's the brand new uh, movie on Netflix starring Chris Hemsworth, produced by the Russo brothers. And I think directed uh, by Sean Hargrave. Is that his name? Uh, Sam Hargrave. Sam who Hargrave. was the uh, st stunt coordinator on Civil War and Endgame. Oh, sick. Okay. So he's a part of... Uh, the uh, uh, company that Stahelski, is yep. that right? Yep. I can't remember what they're called. Because yeah. he also did a little bit, I guess, on Atomic Blonde and stuff like that as well. That's so. right. Good deal. So we're going to talk about that right now. Mild spoilers, I guess. It's, it's a pretty straightforward movie. But before we get to that, I want to talk about our boy, Stitch, for a second. Because this guy was the shit if you don't know who stitch is if you don't follow us on social media stitch was uh pj's cat and unfortunately he passed away yesterday but we 
we love this dude so much. And I'm thinking about him right now because whenever we would sit down to record these, especially when, you know, we used to do it in our room before we got on YouTube, that dude would know that we were about to rec- record a podcast. And he, he would always scream from the other side of my door trying to get onto the mic. And it's like, bro, you're a cat. <laughs> There's never been a cat who lived who could hold his own in a conversation yeah. more than Stitch ever in his life, dude. I I can't name another cat that, that was that loud and like so determined to have his thoughts out in the world. <laughs> That's it's got to be so frustrating because because the the obvious language barrier in his head, he's probably like, shit, just fucking listen to me. I've got takes. I watch the same fucking movies you do. He goes, I've been seriously watching movies since the day I was basically born because right. I've been with you. Let's just say there's I guarantee not a cat on Earth has seen more movies than Stitch had. There's no fucking way. That's hilarious. There's no way. And I used to wake up in the mornings when I worked at Disney and like my days would always begin with me getting ready and having a full blown conversation with him because it would just be like a back and forth. And regardless of language barrier, I feel like we understood. each other. <laughs> um, so it's been a rough fucking 48 hours yeah. to say the least. But like part of me is happy because it means he's not in pain and he's like reunited with Kirk because they were best friends. But the other part of me is like, dude, I miss hearing him screaming at the door right now and being like, I want it. Right. But here's the thing. And I was thinking about this, too. Um, The the positive of this is that Stitch was like so funny and so personable that and you obviously have a completely different relationship uh, than Stitch and I had. I've only known Stitch you know, six, seven months. Right. And right. We got close maybe a month or two in and, um, you know, I didn't even know his age when, when you mentioned yesterday that he was eight. I had never even, uh, I only know the age of the dogs, I guess I realized that I didn't know how old any of the cats were, but so it was like, it's, it's obviously different than the owner of stitch. But the thing about it though, is that stitch was so damn funny that, it was so easy to get over being sad and just laugh at that dude. Um, that's the first thing I thought about when we sat down. It was like Stitch uh, would be screaming on the other side of the door right now, trying to get in uh, with his Chris Hemsworth takes. But uh, anyway, so Stitch was the shit, a staple in this household. Uh, so I just wanted to shout him out because uh, we're thinking of him. And uh, he was a gr- he was a great cat. Great cat. Yeah, fat as hell, too. Loved That's it. Right. That's right. So, um, anyway, with that said, uh, if there's nothing else to say about that, we can talk about uh, Chris Hemsworth for a second. So, Yeah, man. Chris Hemsworth, do you remember what, what came first? Do you recall the casting announcement for Thor? Uh, or was your first impression having seen Thor? Or was it something else entirely? So the first real impression, I think, was the casting of him in Thor, because remember, they cast him and it wasn't very long after that they released that first publicity shot of him that Brana had taken. Mm. And that was what I always remembered as my first impression. But on top of that, I also knew that he had been in two movies that had been kind of sitting on a back burner yep. for a long time around that point. It was Cabin and, and, the, uh, uh, the, and Red Dawn. Red Dawn, yeah. Yeah, so Cabin in the Woods and Red Dawn, and 
I really like Thor a lot, but it wasn't until I saw Cabin in the Woods that I was really like, oh shit, this dude is great. Yeah. Because in Cabin in the Woods, suddenly he had even more personality because it's a very different role. You're not asking him to be like the son of Odin, you know? It's a just a very different role. A little bit of comedy, a little bit more seriousness, but he also got to be kind of a badass. Right. Um, so that was kind of my first impressions of him was that like little run there where it was like maybe you're not picking the best movies outside of Thor, but also like Cabin in the Woods was awesome. And I thought that he was very talented and I wanted to see him do more stuff in that vein. Yeah. I think I I was aware that this unknown got cast as Thor. And when I saw Thor, I was like, this dude is perfect for this. Yes. I, I remember loving it. I remember loving his portrayal. I was just like, yeah, I, I've been convinced. And, you know, I, I didn't have any other actor in mind. And I had also never seen Thor on screen before. So, um, you know, take that as you will. But he did have, you know, more to prove, I think, stepping into that role than Evans did at the time. I was way more familiar with that. I was more familiar with Evans than I was Robert Downey Jr. at that point. So I right. thought I was, you know, thinking about that. Uh, but I knew that Chris Hemsworth sold me on Thor and fast forward to now we've come to love this character how that character has grown but Hemsworth I'm still not like a Hemsworth fan and I don't know that it's possible unless you're just like I don't know a female or I don't know a homosexual man who just like finds him attractive you know it's like, like that's one thing but it's like he he's still still has a lot of issues it's it's really kind of come down to two things and i want to know if you agree with this we love him as thor maybe mm -hmm. maybe we follow him on social media think he's awesome on social media and we also know that he is underrated as a comedic actor and he can right. flourish in that type of setting but ask me to rank the top five chris hemsworth movies not only are they all going to be Marvel movies, it's probably all that I can really grasp at. I but I would toss in Star Trek 2009 also. I mean, I know it's a five minute part, but if, that movie is awesome. If you count it, like somebody listening to this might not count that as a Chris Hemsworth movie, like m movies Chris Hemsworth has been in. Sure. But uh, Chris Hemsworth movies, it's it's a very limited thing. Um, yeah, the only other one really might be Rush. Like, if we're really right. going to bat for a really good Chris Hemsworth-led movie. Right. So why Why do you think this is? I'm kind of set, setting everything up because Extraction sort of has an interesting narrative with it. But what what's what's been the deal with Chris, Chris Hemsworth? It's not because he isn't capable, and it's mm -hmm. not because we don't like him. You and it's not because is, I'm sorry. It's not because he's not a great actor, too. So right, uh, it's weird because it's kind of falling into that same situation with Downey Jr. and kind of some of the, what a lot of the MCU actors have fallen into, which is the IP is the thing that is selling them, not necessarily the um, the projects that they're picking. Right, which is weird because he also chose quite a few IPs along the way, especially the last couple of years, like the Huntsman ones, obviously, but Ghostbusters vacation, like he was choosing things that felt very IP heavy or even bad times at the El Royale because he's, you know, reuniting with you got her. 
Right. But at the same time, he's legitimately got like maybe the worst agent in Hollywood. <laughs> I mean, he's smart because his agent has kept him into the MCU and he's like one of the only Avengers now who's getting a fourth film, like right. an actual fourth film. So Thor clearly getting what he deserves and like Hemsworth getting what he deserves out of that. But like also someone along the way was like, we're just going to put him in men in black. Right. That seems like a good idea. And it's, it's a bummer because I like the dude a lot, but be picky about the scripts. Like, what are you doing? Right. This is kind of like aside from Chris Hemsworth, but it's actually a, a valuable conversation and it's been on my mind for, I, I've, I think I've talked about this a little bit, but it, it kind of goes back to that idea you've heard me talk about where like we we never ever ever need another Robin Hood movie ever right. ever I don't care who the director is I don't care what the new spin is I don't care who we it's done and the th- and I'm not picking on Hemsworth because I don't blame him for this but I also think there's something to be said there's there's nothing that comes out of being in a movie that is based on um, like a, a classic old fairy tale or like the, these pair, like all of these, the, the Snow White movies and the Robin Hood movies and all of these things, even honestly, Universal, maybe with the exception of Invisible Man, even with these Universal monster movies, there's nothing that's going to come out of making a movie like that. Best case scenario, it's like, oh, well, that's actually better than I thought it would be. But nobody, nobody ever like takes those movies to the fucking bank when they come out if they're good or not it's it's just like you know it's literally a paycheck there's nothing else to come out of that kind of movie so it's like in retrospect those were just kind of again i don't blame him but just a waste of of chris hemsworth well, he was only in the first one, though, I guess. So I'm not, maybe it's not as tragic as I'm making it seem because I remember the second one went in another direction. No, he's in both Huntsman. Is films. he in both? Yeah, he's the lead of the second one because oh, yeah. Kristen Stewart's not in it. And it's that weird, uh, it's half prequel, half sequel thing right. or something. I, I was thinking it was the other way around. I thought that it was, yeah, you're right. It's just called Huntsman, the second one. I was thinking that, it was the other way around. It makes it so much worse in retrospect now with this conversation when you hear that. I mean, but do you get what I'm saying, though? Like, even if didn't they just greenlight another Robin Hood movie? I feel like they might have. Uh, yeah, they did. The Disney Plus is making a live action version of the Fox version. Okay. Their animated one. For some reason, I thought it was something else. But it's like I, I, I just. No, no matter who's in that, I don't think anything's going to like, we'll just be like, oh, that's cool. And we'll watch it because of nostalgia. But it's like, it doesn't right. do anything. <laughs> it doesn't do anything anymore for an actor. Uh, there's no fandom for it. It just, it's just, it's not like that anymore. So anyway, I'm kind of going on a whole other thing that's somewhat thought out, but not well thought out. Um, yeah, I mean, the most obvious things to discuss are that it just... You know, Rush was really good. In the Heart of the Sea was a little disappointing. He's obviously good in it. And I, I, I like the movie, but it's also a very forgettable movie. I mean, I forget about that movie all of the time. Mm-hmm. And there was like a, a pretty interesting lead up, but it just kind of came and went too. So right. I, I just don't, you, you, I mean, you hit it. I mean, it's an overall problem that a lot of these actors have. But when you hear 
people on the internet talking about these actors. The fact that he has a huge following on Instagram, he's an entrepreneur, he has he's in the health and fitness uh, market. The fact that he has like that kind of following, it's just weird how they don't transition with him in that way. It kind of like this is this is gonna work because it's on Netflix. It's already like Netflix's top. Uh, it's the number one thing in the top 10. It's going to work. And that's kind of why I'm circling back because this is the kind of move I think should have been done for uh, a while ago. But um, yeah, it's just kind of weird that it took Netflix post Endgame, the Russo brothers to have a production company for this to happen. And and I'm not giving up shit. I'm saying it's disappointing because I, I wish I wish we had more Hemsworth, and I wish I was a bigger fan of him up until this point. I don't disagree with you because, you know, looking at his filmography right now as we go into this, I'm reminded, like, every once in a while he would try to do something different. Like, you look at Black Hat. Black Hat seemed like a good choice coming off of some of what he was doing because it's a Michael Mann film. Who doesn't want to team up with someone like Michael Mann? That dude made heat. Now, regardless of where his career has gone post all of that, like, still, you're working with arguably one of the most interesting filmmakers out there. And then you look at the, in the heart of the sea that felt like coming off of rush. The idea of him reteaming with Ron Howard was not the worst idea. And you not also had like Tom Holland in that movie and things like that. And then 12 strong is arguably maybe the best one of all the stuff he had done post kind of, you know, the bigger MCU type things because 12 strong forced him to be a leading man in kind of an action film similar to what we're getting into with extraction so i guess that's kind of why i'm leaning towards that in the overall grand scheme of this but 12 strong actually of all the ones he did is maybe the best one it's not a great movie by any stretch of the imagination at least in my opinion but it was the first time that i thought he really sold himself as a leading man outside of the mcu so what do you think this this might be hard to uh, uh, hard to answer, excuse me. But what do you think his thing is? Like, do you see him as the guy who's uh, like Liam Neeson had a thing during right. his resurgence, right? Um, so is Chris Hemsworth the guy that's in in all of these action movies? Uh, maybe like a better, younger Gerard Butler? Is he the guy that's always wearing bulletproof vests with pouches and got a huge gun strapped to him? Like, is he is he supposed to be that when he's not Thor? Or I kind, I kind of think he has to be, to be completely honest with you. Outside I, of that, yeah. or a comedian, because he's very funny. Right. Yeah, and, and may, maybe eventually it'll be both. But I, I just think that, like, my gut says that like maybe focus on one first and figure out how to be Chris Hemsworth outside of Thor, uh, and then maybe build off of that because I mean he's he's kind of done plenty of both, you know, and he's stolen right. the show and the comedies that he's in. But it's like I don't know, maybe maybe pick a lane and then kind of maybe not so much like starting over, but just kind of finding a footing and a, a sense of identity outside. You know of that. what? This is going to sound crazy, but, like, just kind of go with me for a second. Someone like Hemsworth would be, like, the perfect choice to be a new version of John McClane. If you were to do, like, a modern-day diehard, I think he has the right personality, the right comedic chops, but he's also just 
like you believe he might be just macho enough to make this stuff work. And yeah. I think there's something to be said about that because he is ridiculously funny. Like Ghostbusters was not great. I'm actually one of the people who likes it more than most, but I still find the movie itself slightly problematic just because I think it's treading new uh, old ground when it should have been doing something new. Right. But he was the standout of that film. You look at Men in Black International. I think that he and Tessa Thompson 100% elevate very boring material. And again, that's because he's so good. And I mean, even looking at Bad Times at the El Royale, there's a reason that he was chosen to be the cult leader in that film, right? Like he just has a very natural presence that makes you like him. Right. And I wonder if in this thought process, would looking at it in that way, I kind of think that he would be perfect in this conversation we're having, because if you're looking at Gerard Butler, he has his own version of the Die Hard series, and that's yeah. the the Fallen series. Right. So why not see Hemsworth doing something similar to that? Because, but you what you need to do is give it a little bit of levity, just enough that he can joke and quip a little without being Thor level, but also like be a badass, like action fighter. Right. That's. I mean that technically could have happened here. This is a, right. a contain this is a contained story. Uh but there was a version of this I think that could have carried out sort of what you just uh described. Uh, kind of getting in more into the movie, talk about the Russo brothers. I just think it's like really cool as a film fan. Maybe not everybody maybe like casual fans don't aren't aware of the Russo brothers or uh their production company. But I think it's just like insanely cool. That since they started Agbo, they kind of just done work with the Avengers things. And it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know if this is how they actually feel about it, but as a fan of all of it, it kind of just feels like those dudes are so genuine. I think the Russo brothers, yes. I think they're good dudes from what I know. They're genuine. I think they're very talented filmmakers. It, it just seems like they do it because they know how much these actors have helped them. And in right. and, and influenced um, a lot of their choices uh, with the the Marvel movies, and so it's just kind of like this mutual respect and admiration for each other. I feel like they just genuinely want to uh, pay these actors back because it's like, look, you guys helped us. We want to help you. Let's just keep making more movies together. That's just my sense on it. I don't know if that's how they would describe it, but I think it's awesome. I think it's great. I was actually thinking about this earlier because, I mean, I think, didn't they, they've already announced they're doing a remake of Thomas Crown Affair, and I think Michael B. Jordan's in it as well. So yeah. this plays into exactly what we're talking about. You look at 21 Bridges, which I actually, you know, for all intents and purposes and being very open about it, I have not seen it yet. I actually almost watched it before I put on Extraction just because I wanted some sort of idea of what the, what their movies kind of look like in this new production company. But I'm very, very happy that they're doing this kind of stuff because I think that the other thing that they're doing is kind of just nerd-based stuff. Because, I mean, Deadly Class obviously was the sci-fi channel show. It only lasted a season. But even that had MCU talent in it. You look at them doing a Magic the Gathering animated series for Netflix. Like, these dudes are just doing what they want, where they want, because they literally have the highest-grossing film of all time in their back pocket. And it's it's weird because like 
there's only like a few, like a handful of like studios or like production companies that I'm a fan of. Like I'm obviously a bad robot stand. Mm-hmm. I remember when Carnahan announced that he was starting War Party. I was right. thrilled to death about that. I don't think he's connected with any of those movies uh, that he's made, unfortunately, under that. I mean, the last... And I don't think he's actually directed any of them. Um, no. But I've, I've been disappointed with every single War Party movie that's come out. Driver was okay. It was fine, but forgettable, disposable. So when they announced that they were doing this, I, I think that, like... I, I think I get what 21 Bridges is. It's a movie that isn't, it's obviously a movie that isn't made anymore, but it's kind of just, right. again, one of those, like, this is something that I, if I went to Blockbuster, I might rent it uh, out of curiosity, but it's not like you must go see this thing. Um, it, but it's cool that they're doing it. It's cool that they're just like, hey, maybe we just like yes. this script and we just want to make, we want this movie to exist. I feel like Extraction's a lot like that too, but it also just makes way more sense in our current landscape. You know, it totally does. And th- the thing is, is again, to your point, like I think that them teaming up with so many people from the MCU to do this and do these kind of, I don't know, I mean, throwback films in a way of things that we wouldn't necessarily get anymore because I there's a part of me that thinks Extraction is kind of a throwback also. Um, and there's something to be said about that. I think that we need more things like this and them just kind of doing whatever they want to do. The one I'm really curious about right now too is uh, Cherry, the one that they're doing right. with Tom Holland. Oh, yeah. It, that one's another one where it's like, what is this? I can't wait to see it. And I just love that they're really trying to push these actors into different directions than people are used to seeing them. Well, the thing about cherry is that it's, it's specifically the movie that they're directing post in game. So that has all yep. of my curiosity. It, it is, I guess under the Agbo banner, I assume the, the yes. chatter Now take it with a grain of salt, but it came from the Russo brothers. Tom Holland is apparently amazing in it. I believe it. I, I definitely I believe, believe that he is. So, I mean, there's a lot going for, cherry right now i don't know exactly how big of a movie it's supposed to be like is it going to be i know it's smaller obviously compared to Endgame, but is it going to be also like pain and gain or is it going to be like wolf of wall street like how commercial is it that's that's what i'm really curious about or is it going to be like monster you know you know what i mean you know, I've, I've been wondering the same thing. And to be honest with you, it looks kind of insane and not really the type of thing that it feels. It doesn't feel like a mass audience film. Do you think, well, do you think like on a level of, I don't know why pain and gain is the example I used, but do you think I, it's going to fit between pain and gain and like Wolf of Wall Street in terms of like size and scale? Yes. So it's not, I, good, it's not going to be like short-term 12 but i kind of actually think you know what it is i think it's going to be a little bit more john carpenter i'm getting okay vibes that are similar to like they live from the production photos because the way that everything looks staged and set up the bank is literally called like you know something i can't remember what it is i'd have to look at the picture but the way it sells it it seems like they're definitely making something that feels like a throwback to what Carpenter would have done. So okay. I think it's a social commentary that's also potentially like a little funnier than something like say they live, but also with the action of they live. Okay. When does that come out? Was it initially supposed to come out this Christmas or is it was it later than that? I think it was this 
fall and fall. i'm curious because okay. is it a netflix one also i don't i don't know that we know that i i don't know that i don't know but i don't think it is i don't know i'd be curious because i mean i could s- totally see them doing it number one well, yeah, especially especially now. So I don't know if it's still up in the air, if they have the opportunity to, you know, call an audible. I don't know. I, I just assumed that's it was, what I'm wondering, too. I just assumed it was theatrical, honestly, just because, you know, there's going to be directed by uh, the gentleman who directed Infinity War, Endgame, Civil War. Like it, maybe it's like a Fincher scale thriller or something like that. But um, yeah. but anyway, so I am excited about cherry and it kind of go again sorry kind of all over the place but this warrants like a lot of discussion so i'm glad we're having it so i think it's a good discussion it's a it's one that people need to understand because i think that there's something to be said about us kind of setting the stage for this is the beginning of a whole different thing and if these start to really take off yeah like there's something to be said about having this conversation just about the company and what the resources are doing well, it kind of makes all of the case in the world for streaming. It, it really mm-hmm. genuinely does. And if we want to compare this with 21 Bridges, it's like extraction just by default. Being on Netflix has way more cultural relevance than 21 Bridges ever thought about having. And to even further my point, has way less to sell. What else mm-hmm. is there to sell about extraction except Chris Hemsworth. It's a movie that takes place in Bangladesh with absolute no-name actors. And what's funny is that I didn't even know David Harbour was in this movie until the second he showed up on screen. So not only did they not sell that aspect of the movie at all, but I didn't hear it just from like social media, like David Harbour talking about it. I was I was shocked that he was in it. I just had a good laugh. It, it's crazy that... It's kind of just like Chris Hemsworth doing action, but there's nothing else that you can like commercially sell that could be done well in theaters. It would have absolutely failed, I think. <laughs> it just would. No, I don't disagree. And it, again, look at 21 Bridges. 21 Bridges did not do great. It had also been pushed back twice, I want to say, leading it up or at least once because it was originally supposed to be like a late summer release, I think. Yeah. And then it became a fall release, I believe. Yeah, November 22nd. So that movie only made $49 million on a $33 million budget. Not great. Now, had it been a Netflix film, if I think it would have done better, to be completely honest. Oh, totally. 100%. And I think that that is where Extraction is going to land. And like be talked about more in that capacity because i mean i've already seen way more people online talking about extraction than i ever saw people talking about 21 bridges yeah so you know and there's something to be said about that what's funny too is that like secretly it's probably extraction is probably the movie that we'd rather see in theaters over 21 bridges like just it's visceral nature but but like i I mean unless you just absolutely i mean it's not that you I think we can both agree with that, but it also just isn't really something that we need to discuss. Does that mean? No, no, definitely. Okay, okay, good. I was going to say, so if we wanted to, we could have that conversation, but it's just not the thing that we're thinking about right now. And no. it's, it was great. I was excited to watch this. I was um, looking forward a couple weeks ago when I was looking forward at the calendar and what we were going to cover. I was excited that this was 
coming up just to see what the, was going to be done with it, but also the fact that it just felt like for the first time in a, in a little bit that this was a movie that Netflix was kind of like really, really pushing and that other people were pushing, to, just hearing a lot of good things about it. It was just nice to actually hear them fucking promoting something for once. <laughs> I mean, and I, I'm, I know how that sounds, but guys, you have to understand, like this is one of my biggest pet peeves with Netflix is I don't think that they promote nearly enough of their content. I think that there's something to be said about that they love the idea of people discovering things by random happenstance because their catalog is so deep. But when you have some of these bigger movies that you're trying to release and you you want or these even these TV shows, you wonder why they're canceling things after a season. It's because they don't fucking promote it. Right. You know, like it's really frustrating because I would love to know what kind of ideas go into hey, maybe we should make sure people know about this because I don't feel like they always know unless it's Stranger Things. And it's funny because every time I hear, and maybe this is just an issue with the press, but every time I hear that they're canceling a series, it's a series that I've heard of versus right. like the fact that like sometimes I find shit on there that's been going and I'm like, I've never fucking heard of this. And it's on what, season four? Like why? Mm-hmm. It's it just the, the transparency is annoying. For sure. It, it's super annoying. So that's Lack just of, stuff that rather. I think about. Yeah. And so that's just one of the things I know Ryan and I have talked about it pretty like to death on here before. But this was one of the few times I felt like people were talking about it. And I but maybe the truth is maybe it's because I felt like the Russo brothers were really pushing it yeah. and less Netflix, because a lot of what I was hearing was coming from them and not from Netflix proper. Yeah, I mean. It. it like I said before, like that—that that made all the difference because maybe maybe Netflix themselves were consistent, but the fact that it came from the Russos and because like who I can't think of the director who directed Apostle was it Gareth Evans? Yeah, it was Gareth Evans. I was gonna say like I I don't follow Gareth Evans and I, I he doesn't have nearly as much clout as the Russo brothers, so it's like even if like Gareth Evans is promoting a film that he did on Netflix, it's it's not gonna always seep into uh my ear holes let alone the casual viewers so i mean it kind of made all the difference in the world luckily that the russo brothers were were behind this and chris hemsworth i mean is kind of like subtly big on social media too so it's like it, right. it was good that they were kind of all like hey this is actually something that we're really proud of and you know i my ears perked up immediately when i heard about this legendary continuous shot because i uh i'm a sucker for those i love them yeah. love them love them love them i love uh, any any wonder is always something i'm about to really take a look at and like really enjoy because there's something yeah. to be said about that type of filmmaking i i'm so glad that both of us agree on that not that we have to agree on everything but it, it's it's great we appreciate that crap the craftsmanship that goes into that um, yep. as opposed to just feeling like it's a gimmick. Um, because, I mean, certainly movies use continuous shots, and the movies just happen to be empty overall. But I think that the craftsmanship and just the the visceral nature of it, it's always like a journey that I really, really appreciate. I mean, I can I can come out of a bad movie and talk about how, how awesome the continuous shot was because it's, I don't know, just respect. I don't... I don't think that an entire movie necessarily should be made that way because I think movies should have structures and should be like a racetrack. You have your sprints, you have your stretches, and then you slow down when you, when you make a left turn, uh, same with songwriting, like it has to have a temperament. So I'm not 
entirely always engaged when a movie is just like an entire continuous shot but when done right i think it can make all the difference in the world bringing something to life so well totally and i think that's part of the reason i know that you and i or at least i am i'm a huge james wan fan and james wan always has a oneer type shot he has done that i think since death sentence Mm. every one of his movies has had some sort of oneer shot and i i always look forward to it even if even if it's as simple as the opening of The Conjuring, where the camera's going through the house yes. and you're meeting all the characters throughout, it's such a perfect way to set up that movie. Mm-hmm. And I just love things like that. So it was something that, ironically, we had talked a lot about with the rhythm section earlier in the year. So when this started getting talked about with this one, I got very curious because people hyped up the one in the rhythm section and I was not personally a fan of how it was handled in the rhythm section right there the craftsmanship was admirable i have of that i have little doubt but i couldn't gel with it because i felt like i didn't necessarily always know what was going on i just didn't love the way that the camera moved and worked i felt like it was very confining yeah and in this one you know jumping ahead a little bit i felt like the camera work was much more fluid and i had an idea of the geography of everything at all times, even though the camera was positioned in a very similar way. Right. So, so what is this movie to you? I, I kind of threw it out there and I don't know. I don't even know if I agree with myself anymore, but as I was watching it unfold 20, 30 minutes in, I was like, Oh, this is just like post John wick. The rundown. It was the first thing that I thought of. Um, I think for obvious reasons, you've got the hulky, uh, guy going into an exotic land and, yeah. uh, you know, bringing the person out or whatever and, and post John Wick implying that it's taking itself very seriously uh, and not, there's no Sean William Scott sidekick, right. you know, and, and making us laugh. But like the the action, though, was just like gut punching. I mean, I don't, that's where I started. I don't know, again, that I agree with myself. But what, what is extraction to you? What what uh, What are you thinking about? I'm going to read you directly what my tweet said that kind of really set the tone for how I was feeling by the time it was over is uh, extraction is what happens if the raid and man on fire had a baby and then that baby chugged 30 Red Bulls at one time. Yes. So to me, that's exactly what it felt like. It felt like a Tony Scott film on steroids and Red Bull. Yes, I I agree 100%. And I think that it knows it. Everybody else knows it from the promotional materials. That is what it absolutely has going for it. And mm-hmm. I want to know what you think about this. Because I think the, I guess the first place I want to go, other than some of the obvious stuff, is that it can be argued that this is a, th- a thin movie. Um, straightforward. Mm-hmm. Maybe we don't know a whole hell of a lot about the character maybe he's just kind of like this shell this hero that we know just from watching movies um i want to know what your thoughts are on that i think that i understand that idea but sometimes there are just movies that are made that kind of don't really need anything else because maybe you're just kind of trying too hard to make it something else that it's not um but one could make that argument how do you feel about that I mean, I don't necessarily disagree. I know that there's a lot of people saying that it is basically a lot of stunts kind of tied together. And a big a big portion of the film is made up of a 20-minute long runner. 
Right. But at the same time, I have a really hard time getting behind that narrative because, I mean, that's a lot of action films, right? I mean, even to a point like the John Wick films at this point, especially like John Wick 3, Mm -hmm. is there story? Yes. But it's also almost two and a half hours long, and it's mostly just stunt work. Yes. And I have no problem admitting that I like that because at the end of the day, I'm here for the stunt work and the fun of it. And if I know that's what I'm getting into, it's hard for me to be like, well, it was shallow. Because mm. going into, sorry, uh, going into these, I a lot of the time I do know that it's about to be shallow. I'm not going to say every action film is. Again, the aforementioned diehard of this conversation from earlier, that's not a shallow film. But at the same time, I mean, not everything is diehard. Not everything is going to be lethal weapon. Because yeah. even the later lethal weapon films, you could argue, are a lot more shallow than the original. And that's kind of just the narrative beast of something like that. Like, I love The Raid. I would not call The Raid a very deep film. Not at all. You know? It's, it's kind of... I think, personally, this movie does, like, just enough. If there's a threshold, I think it just climbs over, like, hey, we 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 get that there's another version of this that's more shallow, but I think it's just enough to push it over to the edge to where I don't really have a whole lot of complaints about anything. Other than, like, I liked it a lot, maybe just didn't, like, love it. But other than that, as someone who just likes these kinds of movies anyway, I thought it was awesome. Mm-hmm. I I thought that the the action scenes absolutely keep you engaged. I mean, you'd be crazy not to think uh, that they're f- fun to watch, at least. But I think that Hemsworth has that magnetism that you talked about it carries us through to the point where I think that even like the, the scenes like between him and David Harbor or any other contact that he might have throughout the film, I think are just like punctual enough to not overstay their welcome and to kind of keep in line with what the movie's trying to do anyway, which is just propel us through this story. And I just, I just think it was for what it is well told and well done. And I think that it's definitely something that's going to benefit Hemsworth. I think it's definitely going to benefit uh, Sam Hargrave. I think it's going to benefit the Russo brothers. I just think all around, I think it's a grand slam. And apparently it's based on a comic. And I didn't know that. Siadad is the comic it's based off of. So now I'm even more curious because I'd love to check out whatever that comic looks like. Um, that I they pulled from. It, I'm glad you mentioned that just because the one thing that I didn't think fit this movie was that the guy that Hemsworth character's name is Tyler Rake. Like right. that, that is, it, it's a movie thing to call like a protagonist, like something like that. Uh, like Xander cage, you know what I mean? But the movie wasn't, um, like that to me. It was kind of sure. like, o- only the name of this character is this like larger than life, like ridiculous, like action movie thing. Right. And so I was just oh, kind of totally. like, I was like, okay, Tyler Rake, but he feels like he exists in a real world. So it kind of, it does make sense that it's like, okay, but it's also, it, and I guess I don't know that it is, but if it is based on a comic book character that has a name like that, then it makes more sense. Totally. And I will say this too. I think that as you mentioned that, I also find it absolutely hilarious that the rake as his last name and <laughs> yeah. the way he uses a rake later in the film. 
<laughs> is incredible. Like what yeah. great usage of playing off of his name. And maybe that wasn't even intentional, but like thinking about it out loud now, that yeah. makes me laugh. Well, uh, even the, uh, I thought it was so weird. I didn't have a problem with it, but the visual nature, something that was so singular of him just jumping off of a cliff. Oof, that was the best way and, to introduce him. And f- jumping off a cliff and then just sitting at the bottom of that lake as, right. as if he's meditating and just taking everything in and he's thinking about uh, his loss. I was like, that's such like a, a weird thing to do in this kind of movie. But I guess if it came from like a comic book panel, I could I could see that a little bit more. Right. No, man, I... Uh... I was very impressed because, again, going into it, not really knowing a lot. The only thing I knew is that Sam Hargrave had never directed anything before. Yeah. I knew he had done some stunt work and he had been like a extra type actor in other movies that he had done stunt coordinations for. So I was already curious, again, because the Russos kind of giving the tip to someone that had worked with them, giving him a chance to shine with something, especially with someone like Hemsworth. Yeah. And I notoriously have been very hard on Olympus's falling in the past because I think it's very self-serious in the wrong ways in like it doesn't know how to have fun with itself yet it's acting like it sh- wants to be like a big dumb action movie right and the difference here at least for me is the extraction never feels like it's trying to lean away from that is it self-serious yeah a little bit but there's just enough levity throughout it's tiny bits of levity but it's there. But it also earns like a little emotional beats throughout the movie that makes the movie come together as a whole in a way that something like Olympus has fallen personally for me did not. And I kind of miss these sort of action films, like the action films that are a little self-serious, but with that little hint of levity, like that was what Shane Black used to do very, very well. Lethal weapon is the perfect example of that. Yeah. The original. So, I would love to see even more and I would have liked to see again, maybe to the lethal weapon effect, the idea of where does he go from here? And like, what does this character grow from where, you know, especially putting the loss of his son behind it and those kind of situations, you know, do you think that Hemsworth is gonna, do you think it's just a matter of time before he decides to produce his own movies? Yes. And maybe not with the maybe not open a production company. Maybe it eventually becomes that, but but like doing his own thing, kind of over. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think of all like the mainstream Marvel actors, he makes the most sense following in like say the Rock's footpath, having a mm-hmm. very like a more Tom Cruise approach where he's like yeah. very very hands on with the projects that he. uh he gets to decide that he wants to do. I, I think Hemsworth is is that guy more than any of the Chris's or any of the other Marvel actors. I really, really do. The only other Chris who could get away with that currently, in my opinion, is obviously Chris Evans because we've seen him do it. Um, Before We Go was a perfect example of that. Um, he, However, he's, he's the one that's like crushing it, though. Like maybe not everything like flies off the shelves, but he can kind of do anything and it it not feel like there was a time I think when we could have had a very similar conversation about Chris Evans the way that we talked about Hemsworth at the beginning of the show but I think he's kind of like moved beyond it so regardless of the fact that if you and I watch that show that he's in Apple TV plus it's he can never really do anything that like 
tarnishes or maybe like makes us question him and who he is as an actor because it's right. kind of just like oh that's a thing that he did but it's just like not as notable like you know and you you know what's funny in the irony of all this situation like in the way that we're talking about hemsworth and stuff and this idea of him doing things like this and i keep pointing the lethal weapon remember a couple of years ago he was being looked at to be the son of Riggs in a lethal weapon spinoff movie yeah and justin lynn was being looked at to direct it so it's not even out of the realm of possibility of him doing more stuff like this because he's clearly been eyeballing this type of thing. But I think that he almost likes these more serious versions because, again, I'll point to 12 Strong. 12 Strong was a film that people seem to really latch onto when it came out, like a very specific group that liked action films and stuff and liked tri- like the true hero type stories. And he's very good in it. And it feels like this movie is in that kind of vein. I could see him doing more stuff like this. He could be doing what Mark Wahlberg does, but yes. Better. Oh, 100%. 100%. I, uh, I, it, it, it's funny because like even a couple of years ago, I made on sight and sound, a podcast that was sort of like breaking down the, the four Chris's, uh, talked about box office, just my opinion on the, like their acting ability or whatever. And Hemsworth got the uh, shorter end of the stick just because he didn't have nearly enough uh, recognition, in my opinion. It was kind of easy to be like, I think Pine's the best actor, Evans is number two, just based on... But it's like Hemsworth and Pratt were were the bottom two. And uh, I, I think that Hemsworth, moving forward... I think he has the most potential to be bigger than all of them. And that's weird to say because I think like Pratt probably is the box office king. Um, but I don't think he's as good of an actor. And uh, I, I just think Hemsworth could really, really lap what the other guys are doing uh, if if he starts to make all the right decisions. And I think this is a great start. No, I agree with you completely. And again, mostly because I want to look at it in the same way that I want to look at, say, you know, Chris Evans. I think Evans has done a fantastic job of separating himself from what came, what he was known for and what he became. Yeah. And I want to see Hemsworth do the same thing because I think Hemsworth is immensely talented. And again, I point to literally so many of his comedic roles in stuff like vacation vacation is terrible but he is so good in it ghostbusters is passable but he is so good in it men in black is perfectly fine but he is so good in it like the running the continuing theme of all this is how good he is even if you go back to star trek 2009 and you look at how good he sells the opening of that film the emotional crux of that movie has to be the payoff for three films and he sells it. Yeah. And that's how good he is. That's right. So for me, just looking at it, I think you're 100% right. I think that he could don't he can completely go, go yeah, lap around these guys because I think he has the dramatic potential to do it in a way that we haven't necessarily seen out of all the others. I mean, obviously the one lone exception to that is Mark Ruffalo because Ruffalo's been doing dramatic work forever. Yeah. But like Hemsworth is finally showing that he has a place and I want to see him do more. I agree. 100%.
Um, what else about extraction, real quick? Because um, I don't want to just breeze right right through it. I mean, there was a lot of visceral action. We talked about the continuous shot. We love that kind of stuff. I thought the child actor was really, really great. Um, mm-hmm. I loved uh, the his. I get was it his uncle that guy? In the yeah, yeah. Uh, the guy of uh, his name Randeep Huda, who played Saju. Yeah, I I thought he, he was, was so he, good. He was a lot of fun to watch. He was just like this cool, just b- badass character. I mean, maybe you don't know a whole lot about him, but he, he of course has the connective tissue, and uh, he he was just really cool to watch. He was just a, like a badass, and that's really all that he needed to be. And it was a uh, it was really entertaining. But I mean, uh, the the John Wick um, influences and the the work that was done very reminiscent of that too. So it's like that that was the thing, and I think that's what people are going to point to when they decide maybe it is too thin or not. It's like so much action goes by, and you kind of realize like the dialogue. It's just really nonsense commands. Like, it it felt like a video game. It legitimately did. It's just like, you watch it with captioning for 20 minutes. The only thing Hemsworth is saying is, go, get down the stairs. And it's like these, like, (laughs) it sounds like somebody stepped into a voiceover booth and just recorded, like, video game dialogue in Grand Theft Auto when you just drive past people. They're just saying, like, that's what it is. And I think that that, it's not something I mind at all. But that's the kind of stuff that I think uh, people kind of point to. But I don't have an issue with. No, I know. And you know what's interesting too? Um, I've been seeing a lot of people online talking about the potential of a white savior complex of the film, where part of me can sort of understand that, but the other part of me goes, they literally hire an outside force because they don't know how how else to handle this situation and as it turns out i wouldn't even call him a white savior in the end i mean at least to me the way it plays out feels different than like the typical white savior complex uh maybe maybe i'm just being obtuse to the situation and maybe i'm wrong but it never felt that way to me not in the way that like very obvious films like you look at the great wall with matt damon that feels like the very obvious kind of white savior type complex, even though I think even in the end, that movie gets around it a little bit, but not really. This movie didn't feel that way to me. Am am I crazy? Well, I mean, I don't don't think you're crazy just because I I know why people are saying it. I just, it's, it's not even that I disagree or I just don't care. Like, because that this is literally the first time I've ever thought of it. And, um, so it's like in the most obvious sense, it's a white dude, but it's like, again, the part that I was talking about just on my own earlier in the podcast, I talked about how I liked how that it was unique and it took place, uh, in a part of the world that I don't really see a lot on film. I valued a lot of the other, uh, actors. I thought, uh, the uncle character was really great. So it's like, I, I liked so many aspects of it that didn't involve Chris Hemsworth, like saving a a, a brown kid you know it's just right. like yeah so i mean i get why people are saying it but it's also just like okay I, I i know i guess i just look at it like it's almost like any other one of these movies and if you're hiring outside hands like it's just one of those things i guess and maybe i'm maybe i am being ridiculous and like a little obtuse to it um 
Oh, but like, I think that there's so many other great things. I mean, this whole cast is fantastic. Like from top to bottom, even outside of Hemsworth. Right. I uh, I just look at it like okay, so so the solution is okay. We only cast Hemsworth in movies where he saves white people. So it's like okay, so you're just asking a movie to have more white people. It's like what what like what is it? it, it it's like. <laughs> I, I, and again, There's, I'm not trying to. I'm no, really not, not trying all. to create a not at all a fire around it. Yeah, it was just something I was it, thinking about. It's it's one of those things where it, it reminds me a lot of the issue. And Crystalia talks about this. It's like okay, so the, if like someone is heavy set, we're supposed to not make it about their weight and just like appreciate the movie, appreciate the. Uh, maybe artistry that that person puts out and it's not about their looks and we're not trying to put too much into the fact that you know she's not the perfect woman she's not the ideal woman but being an ideal woman means she looks like everybody like all that kind of shit there's all that conversation which is fine and 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 it works but then it kind of becomes this conversation of like oh look at how this person flaunts looking this way and it's like okay so is it about how she looks or not Mm-hmm. Like when when you then start talking about how great she is because she looks like everybody, it's like so. What is it? Like, right. are we supposed? To, is is her? You know. So it's like it's that kind of stuff. It's like it, it's a thing if we make it a thing. Um, you know? No, I get you know, and that's why I kind of wanted to bring it up in a way, just because, like I said, I mean, maybe it was just me. I just didn't see it that way, not in the typical sense, I guess. Um, and I can't write off how people feel. It's how they're going to yeah. feel. I just. I just personally didn't really see that. Um, also, I want to point out, I thought that Henry Jackman and Alex Belcher's score was really great. I thought that this was like a really great action score. Henry Jackman is the shit, dude. Yeah, dude, I love Henry Jackman. And uh, I loved him as Wolverine, loved him in Greatest Show. No, um, no, like, you know me, I'm not a music guy, but I know who Henry Jackman is. I uh, His his music, particularly in first class, I love so much. But... um. He's the one that gave us that badass Magneto theme. All right, he's a he's a he's a great composer. Mm-hmm. So he's a great composer, man. Henry but, Jackman, you made it because Ryan Snelling on Movie House knows who you are. Can we both agree that this is arguably one of the better Netflix original films? Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, I well, just want to point is, that out. Is there a better Netflix action movie? Period. I don't think so. I can't name one off the top of my head. I was gonna say I'd look it up, but. Uh, I'm recording my desktop right now. I made that mistake. I can look. Uh, let me see. Netflix action movies, just out of curiosity, because I mean, I guess Bright would count under that, and it's better than that. Yeah, Polar, Triple Frontier, Six Underground. Pol- Polar sucks. Um, yeah. The only one, but this was not a Netflix one. This is one they picked up, and it's the only one I do think is better, and that is The Night Comes for Us. Comes okay. for us. I haven't seen it. By the way, I, I referenced the driver, but it's actually Wheelman. The uh, I knew what you meant. Yeah, I, I just wanted to make sure Wheelman was the movie I was talking about. But yeah, I mean, yeah. other than that, yeah, I can't think of any man. Like even looking at it, yeah, no, this is uh, definitely, at least in my opinion, I'm glad they did it too because I think it shows now that they can actually get in on this game. I don't think Triple Frontier. I wouldn't call it an action movie. It's got it action. Com- it's got action it in it. It comes up under it. Yeah. I mean, I understand, but like, if if Triple Frontier is your best action movie, you've got a problem. <laughs> you know what I 
Yeah, I mean, look, and that's considering, uh, you know, Six Underground exists. You guys gave Michael Bay like way too much money for that movie, yeah. and even and what was it? The one Spencer, the one that Spencer Mark Wahlberg just did. Yeah. yeah. Look, I like Mark Wahlberg's movies when he works with uh, shit. Peter Berg. Why did I Peter Berg? But that again, did Peter like, Berg do Spencer Confidential? That's what I mean. And oh. it's another <laughs> one of their. Oh, this is exactly what I was going to get at. Is yeah. that when I look at their filmography, or even Peter Berg's filmography, period? Yeah. The only blockbuster film he's made that was good, that was not based on anything, that was like a true life event, bringing this all full circle, is still the rundown. A true life event. The rundown. No, I said outside of the true life events. Oh, I was like, yeah, I was, no. Outside I of what you described it though. No, no, it's because basically all his blockbuster films have been the ones that have been the true life event movies. Oh yeah, I know. But yeah. then you look at Mile Twenty Two, and Mile Twenty Two is terrible. Or you look at Spencer Confidential, and it's terrible. Right. But the rundown still good. I agree, totally. So I think it's also worth noting that this comes out to be maybe like coronavirus aside i think that extraction is going to come out being one of the best action movies of the year easily easily which i i say just because you know how likely is it that a streaming movie comes out like that you know it's like Mm -hmm. this action movie on streaming one of the best action movies of the year just we're 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 transitioning into this era this kind of era so um Anyway, I think that's enough said. I think that was uh, that was a great conversation about. It was a great conversation. A little bit of everything, yeah. But uh, and I, I wanted to bring it full circle with the rundown. You know, the rundown's fantastic. Um, anything else before we head out of here? Not really, man. I feel like that we kind of crushed it. I am a little weary because I had all of April like planned out and I haven't like sat down to look at what's coming in May. So I legitimately have no idea what the next thing we're going to cover is. I legitimately have no clue. We'll figure it out. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we'll maybe we'll just, maybe we'll just watch Lilo and stitch and re-review Lilo and stitch in honor of stitch. I don't know. We could do that. I'm just saying we could do that. Uh, thank you. Uh, for being here Uh, thank you for uh, listening to our listeners and uh, tell us where they can find you online PJ Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at PJ underscore Campbell of course you could also find me on YouTube now at the PJ Campbell Network we do content every night from 7pm to like 9pm it's usually like a two hour primetime block just hanging out with people last night we had Mark Ellis and Mark Riley talking Young Guns 2 with us, and it was an absolute pleasure. Uh, even Mr. Ryan Snelling made his own appearance twice, so you guys should come over and check it out. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, the second time was just to accomplish uh, a, an even shittier joke than the than the first one. The uh, best part is, is everyone in the chat going, Ryan literally had made another shirt just for this joke, and it was perfect. For, what's funny is that it was the exact same shirt. I turned it around, so now I have a shirt in my closet that says Evan Loves Crystal Meth and OKPJ okay on the back. Um, <laughs> and just an inside scoop, it was the second time I've had to make an Evan Loves Crystal Meth because I think, as I was looking for it last night, I think I threw it in my trash. Um, perfect. So I'm just running out of YTs. Uh, for the stupid joke. Gotta go get more. This one doesn't count because it's Nike. But uh, anyway, 
yeah, sometimes you can see me cameo on, on PJ's YouTube channel. Link uh, is in the description of this uh, video or podcast. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at WhatUpSnell. You can also find me on my other podcast called Sight and Sound where we discuss music, movies, and TV. A lot of notable singles came out this week that I'm excited to talk about personally. And uh, not, I'm, I'm eventually going to be promoting uh, this new music that I'm working on, but it's just kind of early. And so I'll just mention it again, uh, as I did last week, making music with my band, brave the storm right now. And, uh, if you know how the internet works, you can find us, uh, wherever you find things. So with that said, I appreciate it. And, uh, we'll see you on the next one.